Hey. Food heist. Food heist. You excited about this one? You have given me no preparation for it other than to say I have a food heist. So. I know. So, so yes, yes, I am very excited uh, for it. Question the first. Do you know what white bait is? White bait. White bait. All white one word. Bait. Okay. Um, now, I would say that that's like an RPG manual on a hook outside of my my high school. Oh, man. You, yeah, but I'm going to guess that's not no, what it that's is. No, that's not correct. Yeah. There's a lot of things white bait could be, mm-hmm. uh, and I have to assume it will become a meme at some point. But specifically in, say, New Zealand, Australia, white bait is a kind of fish. It's actually okay. four or five kinds of fish, different species, but they all look and act more or less the same. And the white bait is the young version, the fry version. Okay. That are just these little kind of white fish. Mm, fries. Yeah. Mm. Not that kind of fry. No, not that kind of fry. That's mm-hmm. what you call a baby fish is a it fry. It is. Which is weird. Also, they apparently eat them whole, like bones and fins and all, which is... I don't know. Maybe I mean, that's totally viable when they're young and their bones are soft. But. People do that with anchovies, right? Yeah. It's not that mm-hmm. big a deal. So People. People. So somebody stole from the University of Canterbury in New Zealand something like 20 kilograms of white bait. But here's the thing. This is only a food heist in the most liberal sense because these were being used in university science experiments. So they had been soaked in ethanol and frozen. Okay. And the article makes sure to point out that they were frequently unfrozen, like that they need to get some and they pull them out of the freezer, thaw them out, grab however many they need, put the rest back in there. So if somebody stole these expecting them to be food... That person's dead now. This is a couple weeks old. Yeah, fish that have been frequently thawed and frozen and soaked in ethanol. I hope they did not eat them. You're really stretching on this one. It's fish. (laughs) It's fish. (laughs) I mean, didn't we have a conversation about when does something become food? Well, okay, but this article specifically, the first line is, mixed with a few whisked eggs, a shake of salt and pepper, a squeeze of lemon, and a knob of butter for cooking is how most people like to enjoy their white bait. So they're they're referring to it as food, okay. even in the article. Okay. I mean, you know, does sawdust become food when you put it in your bread? Uh, I mean, I yeah. don't like that you are telling everyone how I bake my bread, mm. but... And so I guess, I don't know. I guess it's what, what your perception of it is. Yeah. I don't know. It, it is something I, that I, is clearly a food... That is being used for something else. I don't And I like to imagine the thief used it as food, and I hope they got proper medical care. I don't think the thief gets into food heist prison. No. No, definitely not not for this one. They Um, might get into uh, the food heist hospital. Yes. And I mean, stealing from New Zealand. I've watched- I'm so excited to see how this sentence ends. (laughs) The documentaries on New Zealand and their furry feet- Mm-hmm. and how nice they are, and how kind they are to save the world. The amazing fireworks they have. Yes, the amazing fireworks they have. And I think in order to steal from the New Zealanders, you have to have just a, a, a special pit of blackness in you. So <laughs> so they're, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, that's our food heist. Do you ever see the uh, New Zealand Air Lord of the Rings buckle your seatbelts thing? 
Oh, the whole airplane yeah. safety? Uh-huh. Yeah, I've seen Airplanes that one. Safety video. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of just kind of fun. I will say that as a society, I'm glad that we have moved past quote unquote humorous safety videos on airplanes. Oh man, I liked them. They were great mm-hmm. and then they were wildly overdone. I flew so oh. much that Especially that American Airlines one. I really liked the Delta one because what they did, which was smart, is I mean, the jokes were dumb, right? Mm-hmm. These were really lame dad joke type things. But they filmed like four reels worth of them. And you never knew which of the bad jokes because they mixed up. And it was like, you know, the movie Clue where it had a bunch yeah. of different endings. This had any of the pieces could be intermixed. And so you would sit there and be like, oh, I wonder if they'll have the joke that I really hate this time. <laughs> or if I wonder if I, they have the joke that I really like. And I actually paid more attention to those ones. Than I okay. did to any others because once in a while you'd be watching and be like, that's a new joke. Yeah, Sandwich between two I've before. seen. Yeah. Uh, so someone really smart came up wh- with that wh- idea. I want to say that it was American, mm-hmm. but maybe it was Delta. Did you see the one where they were clearly trying to imply that this was all done in one of those single shot filmed in a giant warehouse? kind of thing. I've seen that one. I don't remember who it was, yeah. but yeah. That one always drove me to fury. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, why are you pretending that this is a giant single shot thing? Mm-hmm. Up to and including, at the end, the camera pulls back and all the people from the different yep. scenes come out and cheer like, yay, we did it. When it is Feel like filled that was united. to the brim. Yeah, It's absolutely the kind of garbage that United would put out. It is filled with bad wipes that mm-hmm. make it obvious that it was stitched together Anyway, I always hated that. So do you know who Delta Lena is? Delta Lena? Yeah. I don't. Oh. So this is weird. I mean, (laughs) proof that human beings can have lore about anything, right? Okay. This is Delta safety video lore. Is this that redhead? It's the redhead. No smoking. The no smoking redhead's name is Delta Lena. Really? Uh Uh-huh. Because some people thought she looked like Angelina Jolie a little bit and named her... Delta Lena, that's not her actual name. Okay. But the smoking is not allowed on any Delta flight. For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, early 2010s, they put out one of the first mm-hmm. inches toward humorous safety videos. Yeah. And this was before the real big glut of them happened. And it was a normal safety video, except a couple of the stewards in it were a little cheeky. Yeah. Right? And one of them was a redheaded woman who, when they said Snokey's not allowed, wagged her finger at the camera in a kind of cheeky way. Yeah. And she became a meme. Delta Lena. Delta Lena. And she made a, she made a cameo in the really silly one later on mm-hmm. where they're like, Smoking's not allowed. And like her head popped out from like behind something <laughs> or something like that just to make a nod toward that. Yeah. And so there's a Delta Lena cinematic universe with all these different versions. I am delighted that this exists. Yeah. I further hope that actual real people have named their children Delta Lena. <laughs> My next D&D character is going to be Delta Lena. Mm. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> I love it. What are we actually going to talk about today? <laughs> Okay, now that we've so, gone down that rabbit hole. So you ready for this? This pitch comes to you in two parts. Okay. And the first one is terrible. Okay. I asked ChatGPT, the AI. Mm-hmm. The prompt I gave it was, suggest ideas for the podcast intentionally blank. Okay. Sometimes it will recognize media properties and it mm-hmm. will recognize people. Like I've actually asked it to suggest 
plot ideas for novels by you and me and some of our friends. And and sometimes it can get really good because it, it knows who we are mm-hmm. and it knows our style. It has no idea what our podcast is okay. at all. So its ideas are interviews with successful entrepreneurs or business leaders discussing their successes and failures. Does that sound like us? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we are entrepreneurs ourselves, and we do discuss our successes and failures. Not enough tangents implied by oh, that. Oh, this uh-huh. one's great. A philosophy of blank series where each episode explores a different idea or concept through the lens of intentional blankness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that because it is such a garden path joke that uh-huh. I'm sure it told by accident. Because mm-hmm. philosophy of blank, I thought it meant fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. Yep. But no, it, it thinks that we're a podcast about things that have yeah. intentionally been left blank mm-hmm. and wants us to discuss that in detail. So, yeah. I mean, we could discuss the intentional use of blanks in movies for their guns and how not being intentional about it causes tragedy. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... With those ideas being so not really what our show's about, mm-hmm. a lot of using these AIs is getting the right prompt. Uh-huh. And so I thought, well, what's the best way to get a prompt for what our show is actually about? So what I told it was, suggest episode ideas for a pointless podcast about nothing. Oh, no. does it have our number on this one? Oh, no. A random conversation about any topic that comes to mind. Wow. Yeah. That's an easy one, though. That's a Uh, a softball. Uh Here goes number two, a bad movie night where the hosts watch and poke fun at a terrible film. Oh, no. Yeah. This, but this that, AI, like our, that was like two episodes ago yeah, for us. This this has our number. Oh, no. A worst We're of episode where the hosts discuss their least favorite things. We've never done that. We've no. Never just uh, talked we about talk about least... how I am dumb and hate wonderful things that people yeah. love, but we've never talked about just stuff we stuff don't like. Stuff that annoys us. A rant episode where the hosts vent about anything that's been bothering them. Hmm. So it's giving us more general things. Like we do specific rants. Yeah. We have not done a just what's bothering you today rant. Yeah. So a surprise episode where the hosts try something completely new and unexpected, such as a blind taste test or a game show. And we did our hot ones one. We did. Now that wasn't a blind. This is actually a good idea, though, because not knowing what we're eating like actual (laughs) blind taste test. Getting Adam to just get a bunch of white bait stuff. Ethanol soaked white bait. And it's just like there's something <laughs> in here that you have to close your eyes, shoot back, and try to d- determine what it is. Put a spit guard over the microphones. Yep. Uh-huh. That's, uh huh. That uh, actually is a good idea. That is. Okay. Suggestion number six a listen to us ramble episode where the hosts just talk about whatever comes to mind. That's most of our episodes. That I is. Like. But we did an official one of those <laughs> over the holidays. Yes. Mm-hmm. The unedited episode. Yes. A celebrity impressions episode where the hosts impersonate their favorite celebrities. That would be so bad. That would be awful and potentially yeah. offensive. Yeah. N- uh-huh. Neither of us are good impersonators. You can do accents. impressionists. Of like... Um, I can do a handful. Yeah. And, you know, none of them are great. A guess the sound episode where the hosts play a sound clip and have the listeners guess what it is. We don't really have listeners. 
how do they guess? I mean, we have listeners, but they don't respond in real time. Adam could play sounds for us. That could be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now, Adam, I'm not looking at him on purpose because I know that he's probably glaring like, no, you no, do he, realize I have a real job, right? He, he likes this. <laughs> he, he, he likes the opportunity to potentially torment us. Touchy-feely comes to mind. Mm. Oh, man. Touchy-feely. If I got to choose just yeah. a bunch of different sounds to make somebody listen to, it would just be the old modem connecting sound 20 times. And I and would see, never get tired of the joke. Went to my favorite songs to play for them. Well, that's because you're a nice person mm-hmm. and I'm not. Okay, this one actually sounds like a lot of fun. Uh-huh. A bad advice episode where the hosts give terrible advice on various topics. Ooh, uh, I still think that it would need to be more narrow for me to really latch onto it. Like, mm-hmm. what is your worst writing advice? We did an April Fool's episode yes. about that for writing excuses. We did, we did. And gave purposefully terrible writing advice. Finally, number 10, a weird news episode where the hosts discuss the strangest news stories they've come across. Which, you know, speaking of white bait soaked in <laughs> ethanol. <laughs> yeah, this, this chatbot kind of has our number. Yeah, I think that's very funny. Man, I would have guessed that those were seated in some way other than that prompt that you gave. I mean, every time I, I read something by the AI, I'm a little more scared, <laughs> right? Because we thought this era of AI would be about this AI becoming self-aware. But what we didn't, I think, realize back in the day is the power of large data sets mm-hmm. in order to, you know, express human behavior and yeah. creativity. Well, and that's like a lot of what I get, the more I play around with AIs like this mm-hmm. is just how predictable we are as a species. Yeah. Like I've talked to professional bloggers yeah. and a lot of them are starting to use chat GPT and other things to just come up with new blog post ideas. And you can't tell which ones the AI came up with and which ones they came up with because mm-hmm. we all just kind of do and think the same things all the time. I mean, in the immediate future, what it destroys is essays for school. Once, Some universities have already come up with yeah. programs that uh, can catch those can they, or that they try to. Catch like the AI generated ones like i know that they can catch some of the ones that are plagiarism and things like that and that was an issue even back when Mm -hmm. i was teaching you know anything other than a creative writing class but right now i mean how do you assign as a professor go write an essay on this when i've seen what the bots can do and it writes an essay better or as well as yeah a college freshman can mm-hmm. on a topic. And that changes your ability to, to assign, you know, your classic five-point essay, which I always thought were kind of miserable anyway. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a big loss, <laughs> but there is a certain level of analyzing information and learning how to present an argument that is useful in that. Yeah. And learning how to produce that boring, mm-hmm. indistinguishable essay is still important. Because that's the first step on eventually writing something really good and powerful. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I guess you have bots figure out if this was bots, but it seems like it's really easy to get a false positive on that. I don't know what they're going to do with those other than say, please don't cheat. But 
that's an immediate revolution. Like I have yeah. seen essays that are just, I wouldn't be able to tell mm-hmm. if a freshman wrote it or if a bot wrote it. Yeah. And they can tweak the bot to not be too good. So it sounds like a freshman wrote it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, there's a big difference between freshman college essay mm-hmm. and creative work. Yes. Like one of the people that I used when I asked for novel outlines was mm-hmm. our friend Mary Robinette Kowal. Yes. Asked it for a Mary Robinette Kowal book outline. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a killer one. Yeah. It was actually fantastic. But the thing was, the central plot revolved around a secret technology that a group of mathematicians in like Victorian England were coming up with. Mm-hmm. And first of all, it's right down the line of a Mary Robinette book, right? Like it's alternate history, science fiction, all this other stuff going on. But the one thing that the AI wasn't doing effectively and that wasn't part of its outline is, well, what is that technology? What is it used right. for? And you could ask in separate things, and I've totally used AI to just suggest ideas as a starting point for me to come up with better ones and weave them all together into a story. But there's a difference between being predictable and being clever. So you're not scared of this replacing writing fantasy novels or horror novels or whatever in the near future? Is that what you're... I don't know if I am. Like, I understand why visual artists are worried about this. Uh Uh-huh. Because I have seen a lot of really amazing visual art. In fact, you and I have played around with that with Isaac, and we can talk about that later. And so I can understand why, you know, if you're looking for a book cover and an AI can crank out a book cover in 30 seconds, yeah, I might be able to get a better book cover from a human, but am I going to get it as quickly? Am I going to get it as cheaply? Like I can understand why visual artists are concerned about this disrupting their industry and their livelihood. And so I have to, as a science fiction person, assume that that same level of Beauty and interestingness and creativity is going to eventually come to the prose generators as well, right? Right. Like, we can't be, oh, it'll never take R. Like, Mm -hmm. if it can do this, then at some point, maybe I feel like, I could be wrong, but I feel like the jump between the visual art and what we're doing is going to be a bigger jump. Mm -hmm. It's going to be like we thought we'd have self-driving cars in a few years and we still don't sort of thing. But I don't think it's insurmountable jump. Yeah. And it's the kind of thing that science fiction has been predicting for a while. That's the Dixon Hill episodes of Star Trek Next Generation where Picard says, put me into a mystery story and include these kinds of elements and then I'll play through it and it'll be fun. Yep. So that's absolutely a thing that could happen. I would like to think in the same way that I still love the personal touch in visual art mm-hmm. while still admiring what AI can do, I'd like to think that there will still be a market for us to do our jobs, that people will be interested in what I have come up with versus a very competent AI has come up with. Yeah. I, but I don't know. I mean, maybe they won't. The question's there are we the buggy whip manufacturers of our day? It's a good question. It doesn't scare me. Mm-hmm. It intrigues me. But that's because, you know, I'm a science fiction writer. Like yeah. these sorts of things are really intriguing. Mm-hmm. My gut says that if novelist is being replaced, which 
totally, like we said, is viable, then enough jobs are getting replaced that we have a much bigger problem as a society, you know, because at that point, computer programming is being replaced, right? If you can replace books, you can replace programming. It's singularity. Computers are programming themselves. Mm -hmm. And not to be scared of the singularity, but it means just this, we will not have a workforce that is employable as a general rule. And so... No, it's it's interesting. What's really interesting that we I don't think we really quite got as science fiction writers with this is this idea that once the computer program that can do this is out there, everybody can have it. Yeah. Because right? several of these are open source. Mm-hmm. Once you have the computer program that can program, like we imagined, some people, these would be very expensive to make. Someone has to have the special computer. It's got to have the special robot stuff. So it's in the the hands mm-hmm. of, you know, a few who are dominating this. No, once the program's there, it's open source, it's on GitHub or whatever. Anybody can have the program that can do this. It has to have the input. It has to go scrape a bunch of stuff. But, you know, once it happens, then there's not one AI bot. There's millions. Yeah. And instantly and, and easily accessible. Yes. One of the things that I kind of genuinely love about this mm-hmm. is in Neuromancer, yeah, that was the big mystery, and that was the stunning reveal at the end. Is oh, this poem? It was written by an AI. Yeah, <gasps> and everyone freaks out and is like, "Oh, this is a sign of sentience." And this, they've they've truly made the leap yep. now that they're creating art. That's literally the first thing we taught AI to do. Right. And now art. I could ask it for a poem right now. Do you want me to? Yeah. Here we go. While you're doing that, I'll just kind of point out. That in this regard, our job is easier to replace than a manufacturer's job, like a machinist job or things like that, because the monetary buy-in to build big machines to do a human's job is much higher a threshold than, oh, I download this program, push a button, and it gives me a Sanderson novel. Mm-hmm. So, Well, and at what point do all of these disciplines combine together mm-hmm. and AIs are just cranking out movies Yeah, with fake people that it generates off of scripts it's written itself with visuals that it came up with out of nowhere. Yep. And it can just do that. All right, so I asked it for, the prompt was, write a short poem in free verse. And it gave me five stanzas. Come on, man. That's not a short poem. The sky stretches endlessly. A canvas of blue and white. Clouds drift and dance above a symphony of light. Oh, well, it clearly doesn't know what free verse is. The wind whispers secrets in the rustling leaves. Nature's symphony, a song for us to believe. So it's doing slant rhyme, too. Let me tell you this. I mean, can you rhyme in free verse? I guess it's free. Yeah. You can if you want. This is a commentary on the concept of free verse. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am free to rhyme. I am free to slant rhyme. Mm-hmm. And by doing a good rhyme first, then I'm going to do a slant rhyme and make you complain about how it's not good rhyme after you already complained about how it was good rhyme. Wit wants this is me, playing me like a fiddle. Wit wants me to call your computer a barbarian, just so you know. Yes, I came across that bit of tress, mm-hmm. and I was delighted. Someone who hates slant rhyme as much as I do. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. It's really cool, really interesting. But also, like, I can see why, where the disruption is. Like, the classic question is, right, a monkey can't 
have a copyright. You know about this like mm-hmm. famous landmark yeah. case, right? So I assume that that poem is not copyrightable. And so the AI books written would not, under our current law, be copyrightable. Mm-hmm. But then it becomes the question of like how much human intervention causes something. And I don't know the legality of this at all. Yeah. Like, obviously, there's like some sort of human intervention that makes something copyrightable and some amount of human intervention that doesn't. Where is that line? Like if the computer gives you prompts to write your book and you write your book based on those prompts, obviously it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's copyrightable. But what if you write a book in which you have the AI generate poems to go as your epigraphs at the start of your book? Oh, okay. Is your book no longer copyrightable or is it because it's only a small percentage? Are the poems of that book not copyrighted even though the book even is copyrighted? Even though the book itself is? Like what? Interesting. What is the legality of that? Okay. If you have an AI write a book and then you go through and do a revision of that book because the AI is not quite there, does that make it copyrightable? Because now suddenly you have injected your human revision talents into the AI written book. How does the court decide how much work you put into that and what's legitimate and what's not? This is really interesting, right? Yeah. And I have no answers to these things, but... No, I am I'm very intrigued by this. I love and am terrified of the idea of push a button and a movie comes out. So right? did you read... This was in a New Era magazine when we were kids. Okay. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they've got a bunch of church magazines. The one for teenagers called New Era. Mm-hmm. There was a science fiction story that I kind of think was an Orson Scott card, but it might have been somebody else, and I might be making that up. But it was a story positing kind of the future of focus groups. And a movie studio Mm -hmm. brought this character in and said, here, watch this movie, and then you can ask the AI to change it. Mm. And they were making a point in the story because it was a church magazine about kind of morality and how much violence are you going to ask for and that sort of thing. But kind of the central technology, the science fictional idea was that you could say, hey, um, I really didn't want to see this, or I think it'd be more interesting if the characters got together earlier, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever suggestion, and then you wait a few minutes, and then the AI shows you a new version of the same movie. And this was 30-something years ago that it posited this. And of course, the end of the story was like the person kept asking for more moral uprightness in the movie and eventually the ai like started asking questions about who it was who are you that asks these things <laughs> it was it was it was a pretty good story it was you know very specific in its audience mm-hmm. but you know this idea has been around for a long time yeah i wonder when we're going to get to that kind of thing on tv right now you know when we were kids it was unthinkable that we would have 24 hour on demand streaming I can watch these shows whenever and wherever I want. Whereas my younger children can't imagine what TV was like without that. Yeah. It was so miserable. So <laughs> it was, yeah. I watched Brady Bunch forever because that's what came on after school. And that was the only thing I could watch. I don't think I've ever watched a single full a episode, single of, the full Brady episode of the Brady Bunch. It was so annoying. Oh, yeah. I could not stomach it. I was desperate for television. Mm. So whereas the next generation... 
or maybe two generations. I don't know how long it'll take. Maybe it will be unthinkable to them that you just had to watch whatever show somebody made for you yeah, rather than without the in a freedom prompt. to just type in a prompt and get whatever you wanted. Yeah. I found this great show. Type in this prompt with this seed number and you'll get this really cool show. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the future of like the Twitch streamer is, okay, mm. I've crafted a prompt that will put out this amazing movie. Everyone watch it. It's really cool. All right. So I asked this to write a haiku about AI poets. You want to hear it? Yes. This is so perfect. I almost suspect that it someone seeded it in here on purpose. It says, AI poets writing verse, digital ink on virtual page future of poetry ask it for that same one again and see I, if it gives you the I same poem. did and okay. it gives me a different one okay second one is artificial ink flows from silicon brains deep thoughts ai haiku now glows not as good not as good mm-hmm. right it doesn't yeah. feel as on the nose as that first mm-hmm. one but. okay <laughs> okay i'm gonna ask it suggest a short pitch for a new Brandon Sanderson novel. Yeah, you... Hmm. Do you not want to hear No, no, this? I want to hear it. I just wonder if... Uh, go ahead for that, but I wonder if Magic System is going to get a better response. You should probably try oh, them both, right? Because yeah. that's what I'm known for, and so there's Ooh, probably more Wikipedia good articles. Yeah. So, so ChatGPT is fun because it'll... Yeah. Type something and then it'll pause while it thinks. Mm-hmm. And usually it just knows exactly what to say and it spits it all out. All it's got so far is embark on a thrilling journey through a magical world and then a blinking cursor as it tries to come up with something. Okay. You should say write me a hundred word food heist. Ooh, okay. Here we go. Suggest. Oh, we'll do the magic system first yeah. Yeah. and then we'll do the food heist. Did it come up with anything else? No, because was... I said stop because okay. it was being boring. Suggest mm-hmm. a new Brandon Sanderson magic system. Something went wrong. Please try reloading the conversation. Well, maybe that's why the other one froze because mm-hmm. we lost our connection down here in the basement. What's the name of that genie that guesses? Is it Akinator? Do you know what Akinator is? Google that. See if I've got the, the right name. There is a, there's a game where you play 20 questions against the Akinator. AI. Akinator. Have you ever done this, Dan? Mm-mm. Like this was probably my first experience with this sort of thing. So what it is, is Akinator is play 20 questions and it tries to guess. You come up with a person, place, or thing, fictional or non-fictional. Mm-hmm. It's especially as fictional characters. And you play 20 questions with it and it tries to guess the character, right? Okay. Um, That's cool. And it's really good at, like it was able to guess me. And all my characters that I tried. And is this an online thing? This is an online thing. These are, though, trained by the people who ask it the question. So mm-hmm. all that means is somebody has tried putting yeah, my characters put your in. your characters in and, and it knows. Enough of people have done it that it's able to refine down to those, but it was always able to get them. I remember playing uh-huh. 15 or so years ago with something like that. That was just a 20 questions object uh-huh. thing. And I don't think we ever beat it mm-hmm. maybe just a couple of times when we would ask about weird concepts instead of objects right all right so do you want to hear this magic system suggestion yes. mm-hmm. i think it's impressive that it went straight for one of the kind of open holes in cosmere magic you do not 
do time travel. I don't do time this travel. This one went straight for that because... Because I haven't done it. Because you haven't done it. Mm -hmm. One idea for a new Brandon Sanderson magic system could be based on the manipulation of time. This could involve the ability to speed up or slow down time for oneself or others, which you already did. I already did. Travel through different eras and potentially even change the course of history. The magic could be controlled through specialized clockwork devices, and users could be trained as timekeepers, in quotes, to hone their abilities and learn to use the magic responsibly. The system could also have limitations, such as not being able to change certain events or the possibility of causing paradoxes. Okay. I mean, on one hand, I'm impressed because it was able to kind of look, all right, where do we go? We go to Brandon Sanderson's Wikipedia page. We read about Sanderson's laws. We read the limitations and all of these things. And the limitations that it imposes are legitimate good ones. And, you know, it came up with the Brandon names a magic system people and it has, Mm -hmm. you know, mechanics and things like that. But it is the most pedestrian, obvious thing possible, right? It it is. And for as much as the details kind of sound good, it's basically just, oh, you could manipulate X, make sure that there's rules and limitations to it. Yeah, and you name the... the, Yeah, but the fact that it can name the people, timekeepers, that it can say, Mm -hmm. use clockwork to do this... On one hand, I'm impressed, but on the other hand, I feel like it's gone somewhere. It's scraped some things that has made it more generic, right? And an actual Brandon Sanderson magic system is you would not use clockwork. You would use, you know, something weird. You would, you yes. would use, you, you would know. use salt. Use beads or salt or, yeah, something odd like that that mm-hmm. connects three or four iterations down the line to make sense, but... Oh, I asked it again. I said, suggest some ideas for new Brandon Sanderson magic systems. Uh-huh. First thing it gave us was light weavers, okay. literally called light weavers. Okay. It, it is, in every single case, naming them. Yes. A magic system based on the manipulation of sound waves. Call these people sound shapers. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Are any of them good? Not really. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love this one. <laughs> Magic system based on the manipulation of physics, where users can control gravity, momentum, and other physical laws. This could be controlled by using specialized equipment, and users could be trained as, quote, physicists to hone their abilities. Yep. Why didn't you think of that? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not worried yet. I don't have need or reason to be worried quite yet, but, you know... Looking at the early art AI things, I think you would have very little reason to think at that point Yeah, you needed to be worried. And now, like, they're competing. What do you think about the argument that AI has to scrape artists' works and then can be told to imitate their style? What do you think about that argument? Like, so for those who don't know... There's this argument that, like, in order to teach an AI to do this art, you need to take a bunch of art from artists, Mm -hmm. and it learns from those. So there's this, like, copyright question there. And then you can say it, you know, do art in the style of this artist, and it will spit out things that look like they were done by that artist. Yeah. On one hand, that's what every human who's become an artist has done. Uh Uh-huh. And so it's like... We obviously, as a society, don't think that's immoral. Mm-hmm. The difference for me, you yeah. know, it's the the Malcolm quote from the original Jurassic Park. It's like, you know what's wrong with your technology? 
you didn't have to give up anything to get it. Mm. You know, the artist who learns how to perfectly imitate like Donato Giancola or something, mm -hmm. they spent years honing their ability to produce a painting that looks like a Giancola painting. Mm -hmm. That is impressive in itself and speaks to a level of effort that as long as he is not plagiarizing the actual paintings, he's just painting in a similar style. I mean, that's how we, like you say, that's what everybody yeah. does. That's how we differentiate the periods of historical art is, oh, this is when everyone started ripping off El Greco, you know? Yep. Whereas if an AI does it, then, you know, whoever programmed that AI absolutely put in a bunch of effort. But me just asking like mid-journey to do it for me, I have invested no time. I have not exhibited any skill or talent. And now I have the ability to possibly even make money based on the ability to rip off somebody else's art which does seem more problematic to me. It does seem for that reason. Each of those pieces are very disputable because, you know, how hard art was to make is not actually a measurement granted at all mm -hmm. on granting copyright or value. Absolutely. And yet it has to be a value judgment here. Like if you could download into your brain mm -hmm. matrix style, the ability to be an artist, would the art that you create then not be copyrightable? Is that then immoral in the same way? If you could shortcut that? Oh, well, good question. Because mm -hmm. my initial instinct is no, because mm -hmm. I am the one who has created it. Yeah. But am I really the one who has created it? If it's just my brain at that point is a computer but, spitting you know, out results? Some people are genetically just better at certain things. I know, and we should stop granting them trademarks and copyrights. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can only have a copyright on your art if it's hard for you. <laughs> yeah. See, this is where all of these arguments fall apart. Mm. So I don't know. Like, on the one hand, I think that it is relatively easy but very short-sighted to just say, well, we're going to disallow AIs from creating art and people from using AI-created art because we have to have a human element. But on the one hand... No, we are already doing incredible things. That's how 3D animation is done, is we program the rules and then we let the computer fill in all the gaps. Yep, that's that a is great example. really just another example of I have written a very complicated prompt in order to produce the result that I want. On the other hand, I remember, <laughs> I can't remember who it was, and it might have been Roger Ebert because he's one of my favorite writers, but he was talking about Blade Runner. Uh -huh. And he said, you know, in some future where AI is real and granted personhood, this movie will be seen as insensitive as Triumph of the Will. You know, all of our talk about AIs don't count because they're not people. Uh -huh. We potentially as a society reach a point where that's going to look really gross of us. So <laughs> have it write us a new outro. Well, first, because the food heist question was asked. Oh, yeah. We have to do uh, the food heist. Yeah. None of them are super great. Okay. They, I, and I'm sure we could massage the prompt. But like the first one, a heist where a team of thieves infiltrate a high security warehouse storing luxury food items, such as caviar and truffles. Okay. That's pretty much all it's giving us. Yeah. We'll have, okay. to, we'll have to work with that one. Say, give an outro to our podcast that involves Ben. And then pick one of them and read it to the camera.
Okay, the prompt is, write a really great outro for a podcast and make sure it involves someone named Ben. Okay, and it's, oh man, it's going ham on this. So I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Oh, hey, before we do this outro, I did say earlier we would talk briefly about using visual AI for brainstorming. Maybe we should talk about that. Talk about that in a future episode future at some episode. point. Maybe we should talk about brainstorming in a future yeah, episode. That's a good idea. All right. Well, here we go. And that's a wrap for this week's episode of Intentionally Blank. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and insights on AI. Before we sign off, we want to give a special shout out to Ben, who has been a loyal listener and supporter of the show from the very beginning. Ben, we couldn't have made it this far without you. And we're so grateful for your continued support. To all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in and for being part of our community. We'll be back next week with more insights, interviews, and stories that matter to you. Until then, take care and stay curious. This is Dan and Brandon signing off. It put so much more effort into that than we did. <laughs> <laughs>